Hello, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Not The Top 20 podcast. We discuss EFL topics. I am Ali Maxwell, alongside me, George Ellick. George, we're spending a lot of time together at the moment, aren't we? Good thing or bad thing? Good thing. Um, you've done a couple of stupid things the last couple of days. It's made me laugh quite a lot. Okay. So for that reason alone, um, like when there was a bang on the on the underground the other day and you ducked. Um, <laughs> as, I'd lo- I, I'd I love keep to my head known, on a swivel. Just I'd love in case. to have known what you thought was swinging at your head um, on an underground train line <laughs> that caused you to duck. <laughs> so that was good. Um, also, also, you were a waiter at a restaurant asking you if you wanted any sauces, and you just saying yes, and then handing him back the menu was another highlight. So, um, yeah, for the, the the bits in which I'm laughing, uh, yeah, make up for the rest. So. Laughter, life's best medicine. Uh, no, we've been doing some cool stuff. Hopefully, some things that we can reveal in future weeks, but not now. Uh, it's still pre-season. We are considering this our second pre-season friendly in terms of podcast and we've just picked a couple of sort of categories i suppose to 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 go through just at this early stage one thing we're quite keen not to do is is a make too many bold predictions on the 17th of july with three weeks still or two and a half weeks to go till the season starts but also you guys will appreciate that our pre-season content in the week leading up to the campaign is very important to us. It's always the most popular stuff that we do. And we don't really want to give away too many of our of our predictions. But at the same time, you'll be able to guess some of our opinions from the following topics. We're going to talk about teams in who you should not believe the hype. We're going to pick some teams that we think will be way better than, than expected. We're going to pick some teams from the top half of each division last season who will finish in the bottom half. And vice versa, teams who finished in the bottom half that we think might finish in the top half. These are all our personal opinions. We're going to do one each here. These are not combined NTT20 thoughts, just individual opinions at the moment. We're going to pick a team in each league that we think will change their manager. Uh, And then we're going to look at some strikers from across the leagues. And we're just going to guess how many goals they will score this season with the caveat that they all stay fit of course so it should be quite good fun and hopefully uh, something to sort of get you uh, get you excited get you thinking ahead of the new season some of you may be still on your holidays mentally but not for much longer George the one bit of sort of newsy stuff that we need to talk about that we want to talk about uh, is the news that Steve Bruce has been appointed the manager of Newcastle United I think that last week we had just started hearing rumours that this was going to be the case and we were pretty baffled about the whole affair uh, and it's concluded pretty in, in quite ugly fashion uh, with Bruce joining Newcastle. We're obviously going to focus on this from a Sheffield Wednesday point of view. What have you seen from, from Sheffield Wednesday fans? How do you think that, that this has gone down? I mean, it's gone down terribly, um, but but not terribly in the way that it sounds. I mean, they, I think, just think that Steve Bruce is, is a snake um, I think that if you were to show the snake emoji to Sheffield Wednesday fans right now and say, who is this? The answer would be fairly unanimous. Um, given his, um, you know, what Sheffield United fans thought of him after he uh, made the move to, to Wednesday, having managed them, I think it's fair to say he probably shouldn't hang out um, in pub, the pubs and bars of Sheffield in the next few weeks. But, I mean, the positive side of it, I think, is that, um, firstly, that the fans seem to have great respect for the way that that the owner, Mr. Chansiri, has has um, re- tried to rebuff the approaches of Newcastle and tried to reject what he obviously sees as derisory compensation offers. Um, 
it looks like there will now be legal proceedings against Newcastle from Sheffield Wednesday, so we won't comment too much on that. But Sort of fighting Sheffield Wednesday's corner in a way that, that has pleased the fans. Yeah, I think that's right. And um, and that must be a good thing because they're, they're a club who um, have looked fairly fractured for the last uh, couple of years, I'd say, really, um, since Carlos Carvajal left. There was a brief uh, feeling of optimism amongst fans at the beginning of last season under Oslo Hukai when Adam Reach was walloping in screamers left, right and centre. <laughs> but um, that didn't last too long. Um, and then I guess that the only other time where they've looked um, united and, and promising was in the last couple of months of the season when, when Steve Bruce had them playing the best football of the season and scoring regularly. So from a footballing perspective, it, it may not look great initially, but at the same time, Steve Bruce didn't suddenly turn into... A, a wizard manager at championship level in those yeah. last few months. I think all that happened was Lahukai. Um, his reign was, was really quite poor and, and we saw a competent manager getting the most out of this squad, which um, which is which is good and it shows them they do have the players at their disposal to, to have an impact in the championship. I think it's possibly fair to say, though, that the general NTT20 feeling was with Bruce in charge of Sheffield Wednesday was that we were maybe a little less confident in them than maybe some of their fans were after that good end to last season. And therefore, conversely, uh, I I don't think for either of us, we consider this to actually, in a mid to longer term period, to be a massive problem for the club in the sense that I think it was clear when Bruce was managing Aston Villa that we didn't think he was getting the best out of that team. Uh, and Dean Smith came in with Villa in mid-table and, and they've ended up winning promotion to the Premier League. So I think we both feel like the timing is horrendous and throws their the beginning of their season at the very least into turmoil. And that is very, very tough to take, especially from a club who allowed him to have a, a, essentially a whole month uh, before he started uh, in order for him to go and watch the England cricket team in the Caribbean. Um and at the time that was you know that was a it was a great thing for the club to do he'd had a very very difficult year and it it was sort of there was no harm in it because as we know the last 18 games that he had or the only 18 games that he had in charge of Sheffield Wednesday there wasn't a huge amount riding on it it was never po- likely they were going to reach the playoffs it was never likely they were going to be relegated so i don't think either of us would have considered them a, a, a sort of sure thing to do well this season under Bruce necessarily um, and I certainly didn't consider him to be necessarily the man to to turn this club around over the next two or three years in the way that we know the squad needs to be turned around. So I'm completely cognizant, understanding of why this is quite tough to take. Um, I suppose more on, on kind of a, a human level and a pride level for Sheffield Wednesday and their fans. But I think we're, we're going to try and say, you know, keep your chin up because if you make a good appointment here, which is difficult with two weeks before the start of the season, then things could be looking just, just rosy in, in nine months' time. Yeah, um, and I think that is the key. I mean, we're, we're here, what, two weeks before we, we record our, our 1-24 to prediction leagues, and it wouldn't surprise me to have Sheffield Wednesday anywhere between about 22nd and, and 7th or 6th, yeah. because yeah. it's so important who they do bring in. I'm um, looking at the list of candidates, I mean, looking at the betting at the moment, um, Gianfranco Zola heads up the market, which is probably an appointment that would see us um, have them pretty pretty far down the table. But a couple of interesting ones there. Gary, Gary Rowett's third favourite at seven to two. Giovanni Bran- Van Bronckhorst in between the two of them. Who, Get him in. You know who, who'd love to see GVB against Philippe Koku uh, in the <laughs> championship in a couple of weeks. And then you've got the, the likely lads of, of Gary Monk, Nigel Pearson, and Chris Hewton. Hewton has apparently already rejected the job. Monk, I mean, I think given what's going on. 
um, off field with Gary Monk. I'd be surprised to see him take a job anytime soon or, or even offered a job um, with, with the trouble that um, is being reported in the press about his relationship with agents. But Nigel Pearson at 10 to 1 looks like an interesting one. Um, anyone who hasn't listened to our NTT 20 meets with, with Ali talking to Nigel Pearson um, should give it a listen because it gives a bit, a bit of a different insight into, into the man. And as a player... And he played um, for Sheffield Wednesday Absolute for, legend. for seven years. Yeah, cap- yeah. captain them to a, to a League Cup success, captain them to a promotion to, to the top tier as well. So that seems to me like quite a good fit and someone who I think... I'm sure he'd be happy to, to roll his sleeves up and sort of walk yeah, into exactly. what is a situation that we've, we're led to believe Chris Hewton maybe didn't fancy. Yeah. But I think for certainly, you know, with no inside info, I think mm. from a Pearson perspective... That would be a, a, a pretty good job to get as well. So, I, I mean, know that he's desperate to get in, back into management at that level. So that seems like, I mean, it's not a tip as such, but if I was, um, you know, if I was Transiria now looking down the list of odds thinking, what am I going to do here? I think that would be the name that would that would um, stick out straight away. Yeah, I mean, it's still a squad that needs uh, uh, plenty to happen to it, really. Mo- mostly outgoings, to be honest, over the next few weeks, because we know they kind of need to reduce that wage bill. They still need to because there's they've got a huge... Oh, they've got a glut of strikers, don't they? The likes of Jordan Rhodes still there, Lucas Joao still there, Sam Winnell still there on top of Nuiu as well, Forestieri still there. So you'd think that they'll look to ship some people out and that's where um, this big change with just a few weeks to go is not ideal. But look, there's some thoughts on Sheffield Wednesday at a a time where emotions are pretty high. Let us know, Sheffield Wednesday fans, what you think about what we've got to say, what you think about uh, where the club goes now. Not a good situation, um, but... You know, I think pretty likely that we might see Newcastle in the Championship uh, and be talking about them as a Championship side in 12 years' time. Um, in 12 years' time? <laughs> in 12 oh, months. Wow. In 12 oh, months. Are you and I are still going to be sitting time. here doing this in 12 years? I wouldn't be surprised if Ashley gave him a 12-year contract, to be honest. Yeah, that's but true. Anyway, that true. Uh, we're going to move on to some of our, our quick-fire categories. George, one, across the whole EFL team, don't believe the hype. Who are you going for? Well, I'm I'm just going for them. I mean, they might turn out to be to be good, but um, it's yeah, just we're going to caveat a lot of this stuff, yeah, because we don't want to get in trouble. Okay, but uh, the, you know, hype. Just as take in- take the caveat before we say anything, and then we'll go into it. But yeah, um, it's Peterborough for me, who just seems to follow the same model every season of get a lot of business done early. An owner who is very keen to tell everybody who listen how good their signings are, build up expectation, and then never be very good um, as I said their best finish in the last four years is ninth um, so they never even make the playoffs every season they're amongst the favourites for promotion um, A lot of, there's a lot to like in the signings I think Dan Butler is obviously a very good uh, very good signing at left back um, as I keep saying Moisa is, is I think the most interesting I think of all the players it's, that's going to be starting games of football week in week out in the EFL he'll be the person for the first few weeks I'm keeping my eye on because it really feels like it could be either a masterstroke or it could be a massive colossal waste of money on a on a on a, um, a club record transfer fee for a guy who just hasn't played football since November and who a manager who loves giving chance to youth players young players just, just didn't fancy whatsoever so um yeah again on paper the squad looks fairly decent I'm not a massive fan of Darren Ferguson either um, the underlying numbers last season for Peterborough were, were, were really, really concerning. Um, in a way that, if you're looking for season-on-season stats, and the fact that the, the, you know the majority of the first-team squad will, will remain the same, um, you've got to be worried about. So, again, I, I think through through bluster on social media and through the, the names they're signing, they seem to always propel themselves up towards the top of the the thinking for promotion. But 
you know, there doesn't seem like a massive reason to me why they shouldn't be kind of ninth, tenth, eleventh again. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Fair enough. Um, I'm posture one of those ones. I just, just really want to watch sort of three or four games before this. Well, as the season starts, before I have a particularly strong opinion. But if you did that last year, you'd have been convinced after day one that they were going to be. <laughs> no, we weren't, were we? Famously, no. because of the uh, the hot XG streak they were on. Anyway, let's move on. My don't believe the hype team, um, which to say in that Oasis-inspired Mank accent is quite apt because it's Salford City for me. Um, I suppose this is more of a shot at the at the bookies than any other sort of hype because they've got Salford as joint favourites for the League Two title. Um, and there's just no way I'm having that, really. Um, let's go through a couple of reasons why they are so short Um they're obviously a very, very well-known club. The the suggestion is they have a lot of money to spend. So far in their transfer dealings, you know, Richie Towles come in, who, who's a very eye-catching signing for this level, and they, they obviously built uh, an expensive National League team, but it doesn't leap off the page to me as, as uh, an obviously strong uh, EFL League 2 squad. Um, maybe that's just because I don't have an appreciation for some of the players yet that I might not have seen as much of. But... That's, I think, one of the reasons why they'll be up there. Also, we've seen a couple of teams come straight through from National League all the way up to League One. Tranmere last season, of course. Uh, Lincoln only took two years. There's been plenty of others. Um, I just think the top of League Two is stronger this year. I think that there are, well, there's at least five or six teams that I would consider to be definitely going into this campaign looking stronger than Salford. Uh, and maybe another three or four that I would consider on a fairly similar level. So just in the sense that they are joint favourites for the title. Um, and I'm pretty sure that you're mostly with me on this one, George, that we're not quite seeing um, why Salford should be that. So they are my current don't believe the hype team for, uh, well, for the whole EFL. So that's a League One team in Posh and a League Two team in Salford. What about a team that's going to be way better than expected? Yeah, Barnsley for me in the championship. Um, it seems to be just forgotten already just how good they were last season um has it been forgotten that they've lost their goalkeeper and their two centre-backs? i know I, I understand that but this is the same as, as the kind of the brentford um thinking that we do consistently where i just trust them to get it right in terms of, of replacements because you know they're run by very shrewd operators and um, we've seen them do very good business both domestically and um on the continent um in, in the last couple of seasons in, in daniel stendel they've got a top class coach who um, came in and you know completely turned around what was a a team who was who were relegated from the championship and, and had them playing um, at a really high level from day one where they demolished Oxford on on the opening day um, and improving immensely. Um, like Alex Mowat goes from being a player who was sent out on loan to Oxford, didn't really put up any trees to suddenly being the best midfielder in the league. Mm. So having someone with that kind of coaching ability improving players as he is, is is so, so important. It's more important. I mean, keeping hold of Stendhal, in my opinion, is way more important than keeping hold of Davies, Pinnock or, or Lindsay. And that's what they've done. And, and the model itself is to sell these players and to reinvest. So losing the players isn't a isn't damaging to what, they're, to what they're doing. It's part of the project. I mean, that is how these clubs run. It's the whole model is to get these players in, get them playing well and then sell them. Um, so the fact that they, you know, are basically favourites for relegation, um, just doesn't really sit right with me. I think that we've seen consistently that the, the top teams in League One generally generally are better than those languishing towards the bottom end of the championship. There were so many poor teams in the championship at the end of last season. 
um, you know, not only do I think that Bradford, sorry, that <laughs> not Bradford, uh, not only do I think that uh, that Barnsley have it about them to stay up, I think they've got it about them to to you know get up towards the top half. So they're the team I'm, I'm expecting to do much better. Top half Barnsley, that's got a nice ring to it. My way better than expected team. Um, I'm not sure what the exact expectations are for MK Dons, uh, either from within or from the outside, uh, but I'm feeling very bullish about them. I think they're going to be able to make the, the, the transition from League Two to League One football very, very easily. I think that they are going to be... I just I basically like everything about them. Uh, I like the signings that they've made on top of a, a team that was... Very, very good League Two team last season, for the most part. They they had periods where they weren't so good. They were certainly affected by injuries to Jordan Moore-Taylor especially, and they lost um, uh, Reese Healy, who was so good for them in the first half of the season. Uh, he now joins them permanently as well. Joe Mason joins them permanently. Really clever forward player if he can recapture some of his form. Uh, Hiram Boateng moves into midfield, uh, and Brennan Dickinson from Colchester, who I think can play all the way up the left. And I'm basically looking at the fact that they started last season so well, such a solid defensive team, but they were creating chances as well. They were playing a sort of 3-4-2-1 uh, formation or 3-4-3 really, the sort of thing that you'll remember Wolves playing in the championship a couple of seasons ago and it suited them down to the ground uh, until they had to switch up because they ran out of centre-backs after some injuries. But looking at the squad now, they've got great centre-back options. Moore Taylor, Russell Martin, Regan Poole, Bailey Cargill, Joe Walsh. That's five good options for the for three slots. Uh, Wingbacks, Lewington, more defensive-minded maybe. Dickinson, a good attacking option. Britton and Williams on the right side. I really like both of them. Um, and up front, you know, they've kept Agard. They've obviously lost Chucks and Ike. But in Reese Healy and Jordan Bowery, uh, Joe Mason, uh, and, and, you know, potentially another additional two. I think that they've got the players to, to thrive in that sort of system. And, of course, in central midfield, that's where you have just got the two. Um, but with options like Hiram Boateng, Jordan Houghton or Houghton, um, Alex Gilby and Conor McGrandles. Again, I just if this team can stay fit, I genuinely expect them to be at least, um, well, certainly top half, uh, I think challenging for the playoffs. And I'm excited to see how MK Dons do this season. So uh, they are my way better than expected team. George, next up, um, people are going to be unhappy about these ones, aren't they? One for each division. Um, teams that finished in the top half that we think are a shout to finish in the bottom half of their respective divisions this season. Obviously, we have nine teams to work with uh, in in these divisions because three teams promoted from the Championship and League One and just eight teams to work with in, uh, in League Two. So do bear that in mind. Am I going through all three or am I going one by one? Uh, up to you. See I'll, when you run out of steam. I'll rattle them off. Okay. Um, championship is Swansea. Um, I don't think Swansea fans would necessarily uh, disagree um, because... You know, a 10th place finish last season looked the perfect platform for for a push up the league. Um, if you told me back in April or May that they'd be my pick to finish in the bottom half, I'd have been very surprised. But the loss of Graham Potter, um, the loss of Daniel James and, and the you know the, the likely loss of Ollie McBurney um, just completely rips out the, the, the heart of that, um, of that squad from last season, both on the playing side and, and the staff. So you've got a new rookie manager coming in um, in, in, in Steve Cooper. Um, and it's just very hard to, to. I think you know, a twelfth place finish would be a really good effort from him. So for that reason alone, if if you're going to say that finishing top half for that team is a good effort, then you have to probably predict they're going to come in the bottom half. And um, without knowing much about him as a manager, it's hard to be too optimistic. And and I hope that 
they can uh, get into mid-table and, and not be dragged into something a little bit worse. Um, next up is a team I know a lot about in Oxford. Um, this is another one where it wouldn't surprise me at all to have them 7th or 8th when we do our prediction tables if um, certain signings are made. But currently, um, the only striker in Oxford's books is you know 35-year-old Jamie Mackey, mm. who's yet to play a minute of pre-season. Um, currently, the only centre-backs... Um, in the squad are Rob Dickey, who's very good, Nico Jones, who's 17, and uh, John Massinho, who we were, t- we were told at the end of last season was going to play uh, very little, if any, um, of a playing role. So Is Rob Dickey very good? He's improving quickly. Okay. Um, he could be very good, yes. I mean, he's he's more than capable of playing that role now at, at League One level. Nice. Um, so, given, I mean, there's so much quality there in the likes of um, Tariq Fosu who's come in, Alex Goran looks like a fantastic signing. Then you've got, you know, Brannigan and, and Gavin White who are probably the two the two jewels in the squad with Simon Eastwood in goal. There's enough there, as I say, with a couple of additions to, to push up. I mean, Chad Evans has been linked. A couple of very good-looking centre-backs have been linked, but but the, um, but the the links have gone quiet. So it's just as the squad is at the moment and with the lack of activity, um, a 12th-place finish last season came after a very, very good run. And um, uh, without the, the additions that are needed, uh, I think it's impossible to see Oxford coming um, in the top half as it, as it stands. And finally, Carlisle. Can I just stop you? I'm trying to think of very good-looking f- centre-backs now. Uh, Alessandro Nesta, he's very good-looking. Do, is that what I need? Is that what I said? You just said we've got a couple of very good-looking centre-backs ah, being linked. He was lovely, <laughs> to be fair. I mean, the, the one that just left, Curtis Nelson's all right as well. Yeah. Brother of Wes. Brother Pe- of people, Love Island's People West. say the better-looking of the Nelson wow. brothers, yeah. Going to do some damage in Cardiff then. Yeah, I'd have thought so. Um, yeah. And uh, and finally, Carlisle in League Two. I'm not a fan of Stephen Presley. Uh, the good starts that, uh, to the beginning of last season always seemed slightly anomalous. Um, and towards the end of the season, they, they were to plunge, uh, plummet very quickly. I could see him uh, leaving the club pretty early on and leaving them in trouble if, um, if it doesn't start very well. We spoke to a Cardiff fan today. Um, who we know who was saying that the club are only signing players on one-year contracts. It, the whole thing just seems like it's it's kind of falling apart there mm. um, and a lack of stability, a lack of talent. Um, and as I say, a, a bit of a downward spiral, I think, uh, suggests that it, it could be a, a pretty sticky season for, for Carlisle fans. Yeah, yeah, we're not full of confidence for uh, for the Cumbrians, that's for sure. Look, in the, in the championship, uh, it's, it's difficult. You pick Swansea, I'd say that's a sort of fairly easy option there. Out of the rest... You know, you'd say Sheffield Wednesday finished 12th. They go into it, um, obviously, in pretty poor nick. Uh, I, I do think that if they could get someone in while they might start poorly, I think there's there's enough to work with for them to, to replicate a sort of mid-table, maybe, maybe in the top half finish. So, um, obviously, it's difficult to... To go really against the grain and, and and pick a Bristol City or a Brentford, who by general consensus have made some some very good uh, transfers this summer and, and look to have strengthened. You got Leeds in third, who we definitely think will be up there again. So you're basically looking at West Brom, Derby, Middlesbrough, Nottingham Forest. Uh, I spoke at length about Nottingham Forest uh, last time out, and I was more railing against the way that the that the club has been run in the last few years. Um, and not necessarily making comment on the fact I think they'll be really bad or anything. Uh, that That's kind of hard to say at the moment with a, a manager that we don't know much about. So um, I'm going to go with West Brom here sort of tentatively. Um, I'm a little concerned about them at the time of recording. Uh, there's still a few weeks to go and, and plenty of 
squad sculpting to happen. But I think if you're listening to this now and you sort of think, come on, mate, West Brom have got some brilliant players. And even if they didn't necessarily overachieve last season, surely they'll be, they'll be strong with Bilic in charge. Go and take a look on their transfer marks page and just have a look at the, at the squad as is. Um, they've lost a lot, a lot of players. Obviously, Gale and Rodriguez, the, the most notable. I think the, the, my suspicion is that Salomon Rondon won't be there when the season starts, in which case it's quite hard to see where the goals will come from out of the current squad. I know that they've been linked to Kenneth Zahor, uh, who's a, 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 who would be a decent sort of Rondon replacement, I think, uh, although has hasn't never really been prolific at, at any... Well, not in English football. In midfield, you've you've got that sort of mix of of Reckim Harper and Sam Field and Kyle Edwards, young midfielders we want to see more of. Um, but you suspect that Jake Livermore and and Chris Brunt might keep getting a lot of minutes, and Filip Krovinovic, the Croatia under twenty one player, someone we are very excited to see, but don't really know exactly what he's going to offer yet. And at the back, will Hegazi stay? I'm not sure. Um, Kieran Gibbs, obviously a good player, but I just think they look quite thin at the moment, so I'm a little concerned. Um, with two and a half weeks to go. So I, I just worry that if things don't start well, uh, I know the fans will be getting quite restless, not so much towards Slav to start with, but perhaps towards the, the ownership where they've had some, who they've directed some disappointment in, it's fair to say, over the last few years. So a bit concerned about West Brom. In League One, it's uh, it's Doncaster. It's a fairly sort of obvious pick, this, because out of those teams who were in the top eight, certainly they were the ones considered to have overachieved the most. Um, the ones who lent fairly heavily on really talented uh, and efficient loan players in Herbie Kane and Mallet Wilkes, who are both back. Uh, well, Wilkes is obviously with Barnsley now and Kane back at Liverpool. Don't imagine he'll go back to Donny, um, although they would love that. Uh, they've also lost experience in, um, well, uh, Butler at the back. Not sure what's happened with Marquis, but we were told six weeks ago he was definitely not staying. So while they do have some quality still, uh, ben Whiteman and, and Coppinger, who's still going. And I quite like Brad Halliday, who they brought in to play right back. Uh, I'm not sure about the rest of their signing, so I'm a little concerned. Darren Moore, again, I don't think he had the easiest job uh, with West Brom last season, but you know, neither George nor I thought that he necessarily got the best out of that side, so uh, remains to be seen. We were proven wrong with Donny last season with Grant McCann, and hopefully uh, we will be again this season. But I'm a little concerned that they might be a top-half team that that drops somewhat. And Colchester in League Two, uh, it's a reaction to them losing Frankie Kent and Sammy Smodex, of course. Um, the fact that they were really poor in the second half of last season, they looked like a very solid uh, playoff team in the first half of the campaign. And they just drifted further and further away. And I know that the fans were the ones who were getting quite wound up. And, and maybe we, we sort of let it happen and let it slide a little bit without focusing on it. There's definitely some concern couple of question marks over John McGreal um, from the fan base. And while they've they've made moves to replace the players, obviously Sawunmi's come in, uh, who can replace Kent at centre-back, probably not quite as good. Uh, and Giovanni Brown, different sort of player to Smodix, but he'll be, well, they'll be leaning on him to create a lot of goals, that's for sure. Uh, they've still got Courtney Senior, who we like, and Nuble and Norris up front should be good for goals. But I just don't think they're going to be particularly any better than they were last season and the second half of last season they were definitely a bottom half team so Colchester my team that finished in the top half that I think might be bottom half this season a more positive note George bottom half teams in the top half one for each division yeah my championship pick is uh, is no surprise really it's, it's Stoke who nice. had a, a, a terrible time last season um, and ended up finishing 16th but I really feel like you're 
you picked all the teams that finished 12th to finish bottom half and all the teams that finished third. Nah, Stoke came 16th. Okay. 16th. I'll let you off. And that I think, was a bad time. And I, th- and I think that. League One and League Two both came lower than that. Okay. So <laughs> you are talking absolute nonsense. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I'm a big Nathan Jones fan. Um, I think the signings they've made so far this summer have been interesting. They have to trim the squad a fair bit. Um, but And they look to be keeping the likes of Jack Butland as well. So keeping key men. Um, Bruno Martins Indy, of course, still at the club as well. Who These are guys who... You know, despite what happened last season, should be um, a cut above. I'm having nightmares now. I'm flashbacks of me saying exactly this this time last season. But um, but you do feel like Jones has got the blend of, of experience. You know, he's bombed out certain players um, who had the experience, maybe didn't, weren't really up to the fight. Um, I'm not looking at you, um, Saido Berahino, but uh, <laughs> a couple of others who've who've also moved on. But I'm not not looking. At I'm you. not not looking at you either. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's pretty impossible uh, unless something goes terribly wrong early on, and uh, and he's no longer at the, at the club. I can't see them not finishing in the top half. Um, Shrewsbury next up, um, similar actual actually in terms of the, how their seasons went last season. Um, Shrewsbury's expectations maybe not quite so high but also brought in a manager in Sam Ricketts who was making a big step up and didn't set the world on fire in his um, in his time at the club but God for that we'd all be dead it's, a, it's an expression Ali <laughs> right okay yeah. uh, and uh, and again just interesting signings um, your mate Ebanks Landell being one of them but just they Good seem, they seem they, they're, they're recruiting kind of sharply it feels like it's not just journeymen that they're, they're, they're getting in players who who will improve them, and uh, and, I, and I think we're still seeing with Ricketts that he's a you know he's a he's a manager who's who's learning on the job and a decent coach and someone who I can see taking them forward. What do you want to say? I was just going to say the the image of the amount of space that he took up on that aeroplane compared to the amount of space that I took up. It must have been quite the sight for a uh, for a passing steward or stewardess yeah. to see us talking about my football manager save him genuinely twice the size and just mass of me um uh, an, an impressive um an impressive athlete for well, sure. yeah if anyone hasn't heard um ali's um ebanks landell story you can find it on a couple of podcasts ago <laughs> where they had a very one-way conversation um and then in league two it's it's cheltenham town mike duff came in last season again similar story but i think he was very impressive and he showed very quickly despite being a rookie manager that he's got what it takes here um, some really good signings as well. Um, Tavon Campbell and Ruben Reed both coming in from Forest Green. I can see them being more effective than, than basically any striker Cheltenham have had in recent years. Uh, Charlie Raglan as well did very well there on loan. Um, it's still a mystery to many Oxford fans why he didn't get more of a chance in League One. A, a really good defender, tidy, good in the air, just just a good player. Um, and so, yeah, they're a team that I think in what looks like quite a week. Um, well, quite a weak league too. In, in terms of, there are some strong teams towards the top, but but a lot of meh in the middle. Mm. Um, I think they're a team that could surprise quite a few people. See, I'm thinking exactly that. That there's a lot of meh teams in the championship, and I'm thinking about it in League One as well, which doesn't bode that well. Two and a half weeks out, I'm not really sure why I think that, where it's coming from. That's just a a feeling that I'm getting when I'm looking down the list of teams in the leagues at the moment. Uh, I'm a bit perkier on League Two, partly because. As many people know, are just really excited considering it's uh, you know the lowest tier of the English professional uh, pyramid. Just really impressed and excited about the the pool of managers in League Two at the moment. So I'm feeling pretty uh, pretty hot on League Two uh, as we are here in, in mid July. Look, I'm going to pick Millwall for a bottom half team to finish in the top half, and 
I can just feel, listener, your eyebrow raise. Your eyebrow? Both eyebrows. Just just the one, You're the not, old... If The Rock is listening, I see you, Rock. Uh, and I know you're surprised to hear Millwall mentioned because they only just avoided the drop last season, didn't they? And as we know, um, they're over, they're, they're undergoing rather, not overgoing, they're undergoing a bit of a, a, a change in personnel, a bit of a change in, um, well, just they're just sort of moving through a new cycle. They're shedding some skin, shall we say, uh, and, and trying to take on a slightly different form. And I quite like it. I must admit, I really like it. At the moment, they've only got Frank Fielding uh, as a goalkeeper option, so they will need someone else, maybe someone to challenge him for first choice or maybe just a, a solid backup. But I think Harris's style of play, which a lot of opposition fans don't enjoy, I quite enjoy it for starters. I, as direct football goes, I enjoy watching Millwall play. It's not quite the same as you know a Middlesbrough or... A, or a West Brom under Pulis, basically any team under Pulis. It's not quite that. It's a lot. It's a lot swifter. It's a, it's a lot more attacking, um, and I think that they're set up quite well um, in 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 kind of all areas. Like they're they're wide options now, which is where they do do a lot of damage. Jed Wallace, who we love, on your Dinma, who can contribute on the other side. Ferguson, uh, great delivery. Scalak, less so, and and Konamani. Uh, sorry, Conor Mahoney came in as well. Um, and up front now, they've got uh, Matt Smith, who's going to be great in the air. Elliot as his sort of last 20-minute replacement. And then Tom Bradshaw and John Daddy Budvashen as the... What an accent uh, that is. Is that the new Hush Gomsh? <laughs> Budvashen. I've got a shout-out. You must out. have said his name 50 times in this podcast. And you've never said it like that before. It's because... It's, is it because you like Millwall now until you're giving him an extra gusto when you're, when you're saying his name? <laughs> no, it's because I'm going to shout-out Sue Thurl here. If you've ever watched the Quest highlights or the Channel 5 highlights before that or the any other highlights, you would have heard Sue Thurl uh, doing voiceover on EFL football and she is absolutely excellent. Um, she's a proper sort of one take wonder basically never gets anything wrong and i just love the way she says yon daddy bud fashion uh, and all those voiceover guys do so much work to get their pronunciations right that um i've just decided that's how you say it so anyway in summary i think they've got four good center backs they've got solid full backs i think they need one more central midfield option but i like sean williams ryan leonard and ben thompson so you know that that only really needs to be depth for me and uh, if they do, I just like them. And there's a lot of teams that I don't like at the moment in the Championship. So I'm going to back Millwall to be a bit of a surprise starter, at least. In League One, there's only eight to choose from, obviously, because four go down. Gillingham uh, with a team in 13th might be an obvious pick. They've hired Steve Evans. They've done some fairly ambitious recruitment, but they've lost Tom Eves, of course. I'm going to go with Accrington Stanley, who finished, I think they finished 14th. As we know, uh, everyone was basically a relegation candidate there, but... I don't really see, uh, could be famous last words, they, they didn't have a great second half of the season, but I personally don't see why Accrington would be like notably worse than last season, put it that way, because they're a very stable club. Um, they're, not, well, they, they're not a team who at this stage has had any key players poached, as far as I can tell. We've done a little bit of transfer business as well. It, it, it's nothing particularly eye-catching, but it's, you know, you, you can always kind of see that they are working seriously hard to to improve and over the last few years in fact in almost every one of John Coleman's seasons as manager they have improved so uh, I'm going to ride that wave and take Accrington as the top half league one team which would be an unbelievable achievement in itself uh, and I'm going to pick Swindon in league two uh, everyone knows that I love Richie Wellens um, 
Anyone who doesn't know that should go back and listen to NTT20 Meets Richie Wellens from about six months ago. Uh, I am fairly enamoured with the way that he is trying to get his Swindon team to play. Um, and I also genuinely believe that it can be very effective and that they can be a very good team. So um, I think they finished 14th in League Two. So it's not a huge stretch, but I'm confident that they're going to be a top half team. I'm pretty confident of a playoff push for Swindon. Um, so bad news for you there, George, given that you picked Oxford to go the other way in League One terms. Um, one team in each league who will change their manager, George? The three C's I've gone for here. Sadly, not calm, composed and collected, but um, Clotet, Coughlin and Chioffi. <laughs> uh, yeah, no surprise, I guess, for, for those who know my opinions on Pep Clotet. Um, I must say that part of the reason for this isn't necessarily to do with Clotet. It's more possibly to do with the fact that he is um, something of a hangover from from a quite a messy um, Gary Monk departure. It's funny that because monks don't generally get hangovers. Or well, that's what hangovers. that's what they'd have you believe, right? Well, I mean, mate, they you know they drink a lot of red wine, don't they? Yeah, but it's the blood of Christ, so it doesn't you know it doesn't sort of. I think it's all good for you, isn't it? It's not. Don't think that would make you feel great, to be fair. Okay, um, metaphorically or or literally. Um, but he, where the hell were we? Um, he he is. Yeah, he's a manager who's, as I say, he's part of, a, of an era that's gone now, albeit a successful one. Um, he's been very, very popular with fans at every club where he's been an assistant. At Swansea, at Leeds and at Birmingham, fans have really taken to him, which is really surprising for, for Oxford fans who, when he was manager, his abrasive, um, not abrasive, it's a bit harsh. It was just, a, it was almost a lack of understanding of the situation. Uh. We'd, we'd play poorly and be, be beaten and his his manner afterwards didn't, show a guy who understood what had gone wrong necessarily um and again he walks in after the departure of a very popular manager yeah and and you know the fact is from everyone who talks about him is to says that he's a great coach but i given what the job he did at oxford I, i'd find it very hard to believe he's going to be able to come into to birmingham and sort it out um and as i say i think because we often see this and it's another reason why i've chosen cufflin when a manager is replaced by number two i think the number that number two always gets a shorter shelf life because as soon as things start going wrong the first question in, in the mind of the owners is should we have someone in here who's done this before mm. and that means if you've got someone like monk who has done it before you're going to be far more likely to to, to you know persevere with them so i think if clotet isn't up to the task as, as i don't think he is he's not going to be given much time to turn it around um, and i don't think it'll take long for the fans to start demanding they have someone in who who um whose cv matches um what they would expect so you know it's, this isn't a a clotet bashing from me um i just think that it's more circumstantial that it's every chance that um he will make way fairly quickly um and again i think despite especially if he his remit is to change the style with what he's got to work with is yeah. not, not going to be easy yeah new um, signing dan crowley's gonna have to do a lot of uh do a lot, lot of creation and uh and I, yeah as i said i don't think it'll take the um the uh, fans long to get tired of hearing about Pep's need for focus, as he says. <laughs> okay, nice. Um, next up, is, it's it's a very very similar thinking here with with, with Graham Coughlin at at, um, at Bristol Rovers came in, um, you know, didn't seem to have any aspirations to be a manager. Was part of Daryl Clark's backroom team. Comes in as caretaker, keeps them up, gets the job full time. How many times do we see this, and how often does it end with the reluctant manager 
ending up leaving the job again it's, it's, it it's, happens a lot George. it's the same thing as you know after a couple of months of the season if Brissa Rovers are flirting with, with relegation and you have a look around at the experienced managers who are available you'd be mad not to think have we made a bit of a, bit of a mistake here um, a massive reliance on Johnson Clark Harris last season um, will they be able to do that to do that again I'm not sure haven't been particularly impressed by the signings they've made either um, have lost a couple of key, key players as well so nothing against him but again circumstantially it feels like one that may have quite a short sh- short shelf life wow best before date never ever saying that on tv <laughs> um, <laughs> note to self and then uh, gabriel chioffi you I mean you said about a year ago it was time to wake up and smell the chioffi <laughs> Um, I think the Choffy's burning now. Um, Three months ago, I talked about having a glass of wine with him in, uh, in in the hills above Florence, where he's from. And I did go to the hills above Florence two weeks ago, did but he, he never showed. He's probably at the uh, having a Choffy in the cafe. Um, but he's. You think he, it might be a fairly espresso dismissal this season, do you? Yeah, I think it's already a bit latte. <laughs> <laughs> no! We've uh, never been this kind of pod, have we? We've uh, never been the pun pod. But I hope people don't turn off. I think we should go back to normal. Okay. Um, he's... Sorry. I think Crawley's owner, um, you, you read the um, the interviews from him this summer and he's convinced that in Chioffi he's got a fantastic coach. There was no evidence of that last season at all. Um, I think they're destined for a season of struggle um, and purely on, on the basis that I, I don't see him being up to the task. I don't think he's suited by the role. I don't think that he's got a squad... Um, that to work with who are going to be able to match the owner's ambitions I think that he is someone we'll see replaced fairly quickly yeah not easy to uh, or not pleasant really to talk about this sort of thing I'm not really sure why we decided to put ourselves through it um, in the championship uh, I think I think a lot of them look quite secure just just if you have a quick glance down the list of championship managers maybe I'm maybe I'm being a bit wet here but I, th- I think most of them will get a, a go to start with at least or a good few months um, I've mentioned my concerns about West Brom, so I suppose there is a scenario if it if it does all start badly that that Slav gets a bit upset, that people, well, that just everything gets a bit upset, and the manager's always a, a tends to be the first sort of fall guy. I suppose the same thing could be said for Huddersfield and Jan Seawart. Um, if uh, if Huddersfield are, are poor, um, and I don't think they will be, but I'm not convinced they're going to be amazing either. If they are poor. Although I think the fans are happy to give him some time in acknowledgement of the difficult job he walked into, you know, they were so poor even under him last season. And, you know, I'm not putting much of the blame at his door. I don't know how much the fans are. But at the same time, if they do start poorly, it's going to be a a difficult one because you could be in a position where he's been there for like 10 or 11 months and they've barely won a football match. So, uh, and and lastly, a bit of a sort of left field one. I, I personally wonder how long Neil Warnock will or would stick around if if Cardiff aren't challenging after you know let's say in in December January time if they're not top six I I just wonder whether he will want to carry on so uh, just flagging that now Um, in League One Phil Parkinson's kind of the obvious one I mean Bolton's situation is not resolved there seem to be reports every other day that uh, there's there's new bidders who fancy buying the club that they're hearing everyone out these processes cannot be done quickly and should not be done quickly. I, I think that's if they are done quickly and without due diligence, that's where you get into even more issues. So I haven't necessarily got a problem with the length of time it's taking in terms of Bolton's um, long-term future. And, and that's the most important thing. But in the short term, gosh, it's going to be difficult for Parkinson. It's going to be really difficult for 
anyone in the squad really to, to live up to, well, I don't think there are many expectations, but they have to start winning games early. Otherwise, they're going to be so far adrift with their points deduction. Um, and I wonder whether Parkinson might fancy a bit of time off because he must be um, feeling the pressures and the stresses of it all. Uh, Paul Lambert is an interesting one. Um, he kind of had a long leash, really, didn't he? A, a bit like Siwat. I, I don't know how I'm meant to be saying Sivert. Sivert at Huddersfield. He kind of had a fairly long leash in the sense that everyone seemed to be quite happy for them to be relegated with him in charge and didn't feel the need to, to change things um, as they went down like other clubs have done in the past. So, you know, the pressure is on. He's already talking, why is everyone saying we're favourites? Why is everyone saying we need to be automatically promoted? Well, I think it's quite obvious, to be honest, Paul. So, um, even if you might be more aware of, of a lack of funds compared to how people are thinking, I think everyone sees Ipswich and thinks that they need to be right up there. So, um, pressure on if they don't start well. In League Two, John McGreal spoke about Colchester already. I just think they might start off fairly slowly and for a team that flirted with playoff action last season, that could be quite tough to take, although their chairman, I think, is a is a fairly forgiving and a fairly patient man in general. Uh, and Stephen Presley, you've touched on with Carlisle. I'm I, I just not sure he's going to last very long if if things do start difficult uh, and, and a difficult footing. So there we go. Um, bit of fun to finish us off, George. I mean, how much people should put into what we're about to say, I don't know. We've basically got a list of selected strikers, about seven or eight for each division. Um, and we're just going to go down the list and and we're going to say to each other how many goals we think they're going to score. Should we, in, in terms of rules, should we just assume they're playing 40 to 45 Just whatever games? you think. I mean, if you think one of them is rubbish and therefore he's not going to play much, say two. Okay, fine. Um, and, you know, it's worth... My, one of my biggest pet peeves... Go on. ...is... Fans talking about a 20-goal-a-season striker. Yeah. It's important to remember that a 16-goal haul is pretty prolific. Yeah. Let's just say that. Definitely. I mean, we spoke at the end of last season, didn't we? I think nine players scored 20 goals or more in the Championship last season, which was great. The season before, I think it was two. So that was very much um, outside of the norm. So how many 20-goals-a-season strikers are there in each division? You'd say probably four in an average year so that's what you're looking for here um let's start with i think the current favorite in the top goal scorer market in the championship uh mitro alexander mitrovic of fulham 18 20 what about we should we don't need to note these down we can listen back and then work out the difference and then whoever does wins okay cool. what, on the 6th of may yes okay as if we're going to remember to think back this far with 120 pods of I'll be thinking about it every Saturday. So, <laughs> Okay. Um, Neil Mopai, this is caveat if he stays with Brentford. 23. 22. Uh, a quick aside, we were chatting on our walk to the studio. To what extent Neil Mopai leaving Brentford would affect... Brentford as much as another team's prolific striker let's say a Che Adams at Birmingham or, uh, or or someone like that would affect their team my theory was not as much and that's not to say you're not going to miss someone who scored as many goals as he did last season but I guess my thinking was I think they look pretty smart at the moment Bees I expect them to start the season pretty well I expect them to create a lot of chances back to front I think they're looking quite good so I'm confident that whoever fills in whether it might be Marcondes uh, or presumably someone that they will have lined up in case of a big windfall for Mopai. I guess I'm just quite confident that, that there will be someone to finish the chances at 
almost the same level, if if not exactly the same. Have you got major fears about Mopé leaving? My only concern, I mean, I agree with you. I think he's part, he's the final cog of a very well-oiled machine there when it when it's working. And, and there are other players who can do that. They'd, I'm just, I don't know if Watkins can play that role. There's been very little evidence that Marcondes can play that role. So um, my concern is there's no one there to fill in those those shoes. But I do agree, of all the players to have to replace. Obviously, I haven't heard about the lad in the Austrian second tier that they're probably primed to pick up. I but mean, that, I mean, that would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I've they need. I've made him up, but <laughs> I know. there we go. He, he's the ideal signing. But yeah. we're, we're pretty hot on Mopai. What about Carlin Grant at Huddersfield? 13. I'm higher on Grant than you are. I actually think he could be a bit of a superstar this season. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with 18, 19. I still think Which that one? would be considered a really good. I'm going to go with 19. Okay. For Carlin Grant, I'm a big fan as well. I I, I just worry about Huddersfield. Fair enough. What about uh, Patrick Bamford at Leeds United? It's a bit of a tough one because we don't know what's happening. Nine. With, we don't know what's happening with Kamar Roof yet, do we? Uh, I'm definitely higher on Bamford than you are. This this might be the player that we disagree on the most. Yeah. Uh, in the league, I believe that last season will, will be just a poor season and it'll be back to being quite good so I'm going to go with uh, 16 that's in acknowledgement of Roof obviously going to get quite a lot of game time and hopefully some goals as well what about Graben at, uh, at Forest this new look Forest team maybe there'll be a couple of Portuguese lads feeding him the bullets 16 yeah I'm going to go with 12 I think I think when he plays consistently he is probably the most reliable person to score goals that's true but I, I just I'm not sure about who they're going to be bringing in. Um, he didn't play much the last few weeks of last season under Martin O'Neill. Um, I think we've got a different type of man at the helm. We do, but round. but who knows if he's going to fancy him? You know, true. Um, okay, what about Tom Eaves at Hull? This is difficult because I'm not a massive fan, but he's going to play every game up front for a team that's going to be completely built around him. Um, Thirteen. I'm going to go with ten. 10 goals yeah, for Tom Eaves. Uh, what about Sam Gallagher at Blackburn? We haven't discussed this yet. Quite a big signing, really. Uh, I'm not sure of the exact transfer fee, so please don't get angry if I get this wrong, Rovers fans. I think three to five mil from Southampton. He's had a few loan spells in the Championship, Gallagher. Um, what do you think about him playing up front for Blackburn? Never been pro- particularly prolific. Um, they have goals elsewhere. Um, I think he'll be a, he'll be very good news for, for Bradley Dack. Um, having a, a big man to play off like that. Um, so in terms of his championship output, I'm going to say nine. Okay. He scored 11 for them he in did. the championship in 16-17, which now feels like a long time ago now. Yeah. Um, what did you go with, sorry? Nine. Nine. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with 14 for Gallagher, assuming that he's coming in to be their, their sort of number one target man. Um, lastly, for Stoke... We sort of split it with Vokes and Gregory. Thoughts on, on a combined total for them? Combined? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, 22 combined, okay. I reckon. I mean, I think Vokes is probably the, the main goal threat with, with Gregory the foil, but I guess they probably will play as a two. So I'm going to yeah. go with 30. Wow. 15 each. Split down the middle. I feel like I would like to take your bets on our underlines here because that is a lot of goals you've given to those guys combined yeah well they are basically the star strikers of the division they are now yeah <laughs> now. Um, yeah well we can discuss uh, some sort of uh, putting our money where Num- our mouth numeration. is uh, off air yeah, I think it's fair to say it's something we have done before of course um, in League One what about Freddie Ladapo of Rotherham 
Um, yeah, I'm not really sold on this massively. Uh, it's off the back of a purple patch season, but I do think that Rotherham will be half decent. Yeah. And, and given the outlay, he's going to play a lot of games. So I'm going to say 12. Okay, I'm definitely going higher. Um, he scored quite a lot for quite a bad Plymouth team last season. So I think Rotherham are going to be better. That doesn't always translate, though. I know, but... but Often when you have Logically, a bad team it's still who, uh, quite difficult just to say, so he's going to score fewer goals, isn't but if it? you think about someone, it often happens if you have a bad team who are totally reliant on one player for goals. I mean, look at James Vaughan at Berry. I mean, if you are that person who has to score the goals if no one else is going to, I mean, every team is going to score 35 plus goals in a season and someone's got to score You'd them. You'd hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, hmm. I think Rotherham are going to score quite a lot of goals and I think that Ladapo will be quite a big part of that. So I'm going to go with 16 goals for him. Jamie Mackey of Oxford United. I hope it's going to be um, not too many because then we've got someone else scoring the goals. Um, but I do, I mean, he, he's now, having been very against Mackey's role in the Oxford squad, I now see where it lies. Um, but he's not really a goal scorer. Uh, six. Three for Mackey. Uh, what about James Norwood at Ipswich, the goal scorer of the EFL last season? How's he going to do in League One? Yeah, I think he'll do well. Uh, I'm not necessarily convinced that Ipswich are going to be uh, are going to justify. There isn't really any hype to be fair. I, I just I, I I'm not convinced they're going to get promoted. I think they'll be top six as a pretty much as a shoe in, and we'll score a few goals. And he's going to start every game, so um, he'd probably be, be my fancy for top goal scorer uh, in the league. And I'm going to say twenty four. Nice. That's that's good. That I think that's the most of anyone we've spoken about yeah. so far. Uh, I'm going to go with a nice round twenty for Norwood personally. What about Will Grigg? Sunderland. It's just impossible to say. Um, it's not impossible to say. Well, as in, it's just because Ross doesn't. I mean, he he could literally score anywhere between like none and thirty. Literally, he could. Yes, um, none and forty. I'd say maybe that, none and fifty. So I'm gonna say fifteen. Okay. Just just bang in the middle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> middle of the road. I think I'm gonna join you. You know, I think I'm gonna go with fifteen as well. It's an acknowledgement that they've got. Other options as well. But then actually, that's silly because if he's scoring goals, he'll play. And if he's not, he won't play. So it's pretty unlikely he's going to be in the middle ground. So you're saying now less than 10 or more than 20? Is that what you're saying? Um, I'm going to change mine to 11. I don't want to look like a copycat, so I'm going to stick with 15. Okay. But I do get your point. Yeah. Um, what about Mo Issa and Ivan Tony for your don't believe the hype team at Peterborough United? A combined total uh, and a, a breakdown, if you fancy it. This is breaking my head. Um, <laughs> this is why I said to the listeners, don't put well, too Tony's, much. I mean, I don't think Tony's ever um, put it together for a whole season prolifically. Issa obviously has, but quite a bit doubts. T- combined, 21. I'm going to go combined, 38. That is absolutely absurd. 38 goals. One of the stupidest things I've ever heard. <laughs> 38 goals of which Ivan Tony is going to score 22 and Mo Issa is going to score 16. Uh, I would refer you to the amount of goals that Peterborough strikers scored last season, how the whole of Peterborough's like life in the last 10 years or 20 years has been literally centered around their strikers scoring goals and then being sold for loads of money. I'm feeling good about that one. Uh, what about Jonson Clark-Harris of Graham Coughlin's short-lived shelf-life Bristol Rovers? <laughs> uh, 12. 12? Yeah. 
So that's pretty much what you got in half. I know, purple patch. Purple patch. Yeah. Uh, I'll go for 15. Don't don't disagree too much, but no, that's no, that's complete lie. I like I like Clark Harris. I'm going to go 17 goals for him. Uh, for Jiri Okunabire, I mean, we wanted to pick a Shrewsbury player, but obviously you've got a few. You've got big Steve Morrison who'll be sort of leading the line, but I think we reckon Okunabire is probably their main goal threat. Yeah, and I think he'll... Reddish playing alongside Morrison. He scored 10 last season and I think Shrewsbury are going to be much better going forward. So um, I'm going to say 14. Quick aside, Opta uh, very kindly released some very cool championship data analysis from last season uh, about a week ago. You can find it on Opta Pro, I think, on the website. And it's well worth a look if you're interested in that side of things. If you want to dig a little deeper and see what the what the data said rather than just what... Um, your, your, your average pundits like us might have said uh, and one of the most creative players in the championship last season was Steve Morrison nice P- by creative I mean just pure expected assists he was right up there which I thought was quite cool so good news for Rock and Abire and other Shrewsbury attacking players what about Piggott and Wimbledon 15, well, 15, 15 last season under Wally um, same again no a little bit less 13 yeah, I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with thirteen as well. I think that's I think that's about right. What about a Kinday and Lincoln? Actually, very few goals from open play last season, considering they won the league. Uh, what about his League One prospect? This is one I kind of want you to answer before me, but I won't because uh, that'd be unfair. Because uh, we've done the same the whole way. I'm gonna say four. Four goals because Jesus. in preseason we've seen both Jack Payne and George Grant take penalties. And I and I just wonder um, if if John's gonna gonna be there. A is gonna be their starting striker all season, and B if he's gonna um, even take pens when he is. Oh, brutal. Okay. Uh, George gonna... Grant said in interviews, like I know John takes penalties here, but I really like taking them too. Right. Well, John is definitely gonna take the pens. I reckon if he's playing. If he's playing, I don't see a huge amount of other striker options in that squad at the moment. Yet. So yet. Okay. A lot of caveats uh, as always on not the top twenty pod. I'm gonna go with. Um, 12 goals that was a weird noise wasn't it <laughs> right um, come on then League yeah, 2 guys. I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, the stats for this where we can see the graph when people turned off I think it would certainly be quite a shot to climb when we're doing these goals but. if anyone's still out there we're going to talk about some League 2 goal scorers <laughs> if you take a look at the, the current market it's a difficult one to sort of you know there's not many sure things here I don't think so just for fun Bradford will start with they've got James Vaughan Clayton Donaldson and Owen Doyle, who's going to score the most out of those three? Doyle. Doyle? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. And how many is he going to score? 14. For me, James Vaughan, 19. Next. Wow. Rooney, um, Salford. I'm just getting over the James Vaughan one. Um, Rooney, Salford. They're going to be good. He's going to score goals. 19 in 46 games. <sighs> <laughs> he definitely won't play 46, will he, Vaughan? No. Anyway, what about Rooney and Salford? Um, scored 21 last season always been prolific they're probably going to be alright 17 thought he might have been a 20 man for you there I'll go with 19 just under the 20 threshold what about Nicky Maynard 20 that's it 21 for me (laughs) what about Podge Armand obviously shares them around a little bit with Jamil Matt who I think is staying and I don't think they're going to be quite as good next season. 11. What? Um, 16 for me, Podge. Uh, what about Harry Smith? 
of Northampton Town. Big Harry Smith, he was at Macclesfield last year, of course. Keith Curl seems to want a big man up top. Yeah, and I, I'm not huge and uh, hugely positive about uh, Northampton this coming season. I'm going to say 10. I'm going to say 13 for Smith. Um, and then the Grimsby boys, the, the, the sort of major signings from their summer window, uh, I would suggest. Matt Green and James Hansen, experienced EFL strikers, uh, combined total... It's going gonna, gonna to be one of those where the, you can hear the interview in in, uh, in February. Hi, Matt. Are you and James having a competition? Do you keep track of who's ahead of who for the top goal scorer market? Yeah, yeah, we do. And, you know, I've given a bit of stick today after scoring those two and I've drawn level with him. Uh, <laughs> well, I reckon... So you're suggesting they're going to bang them in, both of them? No, 11 and 10. 21. Oh, you mean top goal scorer for the club? Yeah. I thought you were suggesting no, they're going to no. be vying for, for... the for club. That's on BBC Radio... Um, Humber. No, it's not. Is it Humber? Yeah, Humber it is Humber. Side. I don't yeah. think it is Humber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've listened to it before. Okay. Yeah, it might be. They've got that really, that really good reporter Matt Dean, who always asks like questions that the managers. But hate. that would mean that Humber have Scunthorpe, Grimsby, and Hull. Yeah, great, and, and hence why it's such a good radio station. And BBC Radio Lincolnshire just has Lincoln. As out of all of the regional stations in the UK, I think I'd have BBC Humber sides in my top five. Obviously, Jerome, if you're listening, BBC Radio Oxford is number one. Um, lastly, that's it, isn't it? I'm going to go with um, a twenty. Uh, 21 combined of which Green's going to get 15 and Hanson's going to get 6 same as me though 21 combined nice touch lovely um, stuff look we hope you've enjoyed listening to this um, as we said at the top of the pod this is still our pre-season we're still easing into things we're trying not to go too far in what we're saying because there's still a bit of time before the season starts but content is important uh, and you guys are, have been very well very kind about it very thirsty for it across uh, the summer so far. So I hope you've enjoyed this hour-long NTT20 pod. George is away next week, so I'm still trying to work out what we're going to cobble together. Got a couple of plans, but that remains to be seen. Um, but just follow us at NTT20pod on Twitter. You'll get all the news. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube as well, if you fancy that. Instagram, NTT20pod. Uh, and as always, get in touch with any questions, any thoughts, any news. We love hearing from you. Thanks so much for listening.